All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have the regular ho-hum, ordinary hosts today. Pastor John... Sorry, I, sh- I shouldn't do that. You should be really excited to listen to us right now. We have Pastor Jonathan with Dayspring Reformed Church. How you doing, bro? I'm so glad to be here, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my pleasure. <laughs> Pastor Russ with Cloverdale Reformed Church. How you doing, brother? Very good, thank you. I'm Josh from The Well Church, and we have uh, our continued uh, special co-host with us, Pastor Ryan Hempel from Treasure Valley RPC. Yes. Okay. Stop right there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Don't go any further. <laughs> Don't go any further. All right. Um, we've been talking about uh, worship, uh, specifically what happens in corporate worship on Sunday morning from from the beginning prayer or the beginning greeting to the to the end. We're not just talking about the singing portion of um, corporate worship. And today we're talking about um, the Lord's Supper. Um, it is an element of worship. We're worshiping through um, communion every time we have it. And uh, so let's let's start with this question to try to clear up. Uh, Pastor Russ said off the air that this is one of those things that that uh, there's a lot of confusion on, and I, I 100% agree. Um, so what is the the perhaps the proper view of the Lord's Supper? Is the Lord's Supper merely a memorial meal? Why or why not? Is it merely a memorial meal? When you say a memorial meal, you're saying is it just only a remembrance, right? And uh, and that and there were different opinions during the Reformation concerning the Lord's Supper. You know, the and even Luther uh, was suggesting that somehow that the accidents, the the bread and the wine, actually um, are infused in some way with. The true blood in the true body of the of the Lord. In fact, he would, you know, in Latin it was hoc est corpus mem, you know, which is where we get hocus pocus from. Right. Um, but you know that it actually did that. But but we're not saying that the elements actually become the body of Christ. But we recognize that while Christ is in heaven, He's also divine and He's everywhere present, and He promises His presence in. The Lord's Supper, you know, as we commune together uh, with Him, we are, we are, you know, in Ephesians it tells us we're already seated in heavenly places. He's actually come to to visit us in the Lord's Supper in this communion of His benefits to us, and so yeah, it's not just a memory, a, a, a memory. We're not just, you know, as one uh, my professor saying said, squinting our eyes and seeing three crosses somewhere. We are we are actually um, having a communion with the Lord, a a union with Him. Mm-hmm. I think it's just helpful to remember that historically, the Lord's Supper has been a point of huge contention. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people forget. Um, that this may have been the number one controversy of the Reformation was the differences of opinion on the Lord's Supper. Um, If you just go back to the writings of the Reformers, um, so much ink was used to write about the Lord's Supper. And and deep divides happened over this. So this is not a, a secondary issue like sometimes people think it is. Um, it, it, I think it's it's important to understand what's happening. So as Jonathan said, we are remembering the work of Jesus Christ. I mean that is clear from the institution of of the Lord's Supper in in Corinthians. But we're also communing with God. We also are communing with one another, mm-hmm. and we're also increasing a longing. 
for the return of Jesus Christ, for the the, mm-hmm. the culmination of what com- the Lord's Supper is really about, is it's a, a an anticipatory meal for the great marriage supper of the Lamb that awaits all of God's people in the age to come. And so it's not just one of those elements. It's all of those happening at the same time. Can we talk about that and first the, one, and, and, communion with God? So in Cruz's book, he talks about how worship culminates in a feast. And, and this is the kind of the storyline of worship throughout the Bible. In the garden, um, Adam and Eve, they were given a meal. They were they were welcomed to the tree of life to feast off that forever. Fast forward to the Exodus. Uh, there was a, a Passover feast that, that redemption culminated in this meal. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's all of history is aiming at this one meal. So, when, and this is why we say that it's not merely a memorial meal. It's not merely a, a like a funeral. Jesus, Jesus has already rose from the dead. We're feasting with God. This is this is what all of history is aiming at: is this communion, this delighting, this you know. Um, I God promises in Psalm thirty six eight that we will feast off the abundance of His house and drink from the rivers of of His delight. So that's what's happening in the meal. We're, we're feasting with God. Yeah. yeah. And when First Corinthians mentions uh, eleven uh, mentions that we proclaim his death until he comes. I mean, when we when we say that, when we read that, when we remember that, we also need to remember that our surrounding his death has also, all that surrounding his death is included in that. So right. his life of obedience, his laying down his life, his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification. I mean, we're remembering the accomplishment, it, the accomplishment of, that, of our that, salvation. That death, yeah. And all this done by faith. I mean, this is a meal for his people and those who have understood what Christ has done and professed faith in him and he they're invited we're invited to come and we by faith partake of this and receive and our, spiritual and our faith is strengthened by that yeah. it's an actually it's given to us and as an assurance that uh, Christ's obedience is ours you know, we benefit by his obedient life and his death in our place. So it's an assurance. It's an assurance given that our sins are truly forgiven in him. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but I think it might be important to understand the different views. So you've got, starting with Zwingli, this memorial view that it's just – uh, remembrance. You've got Luther, who um, was really trying to get as close to to the Catholic Church, transubstantiation. That there, there's an actual change to the elements. The body, or the the bread and the wine, in in some way become the actual um, body and blood of of Christ. And and Luther is basically saying the same thing. Um, but just trying to back off just a nudge so he's not Catholic, but basically Catholic, that the, the presence of Christ is in, around, above, you know, whatever, the, the, the elements. Um, and then Calvin would say, I think you're missing the point. It's not about the, the presence of Christ in the elements. It's the presence of God's people with the triune God, that it's more that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're being lifted up on high into the heavenlies in our union with Jesus Christ, and we're participating in um, in the triune God. Um, and that's what's important in, in communion. And so what happens is that 
and and as Ryan so beautifully said, when we're remembering the death of Christ, we're remembering his his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Mm-hmm. And it's the ascension part that I think is so vitally important because he has been raised and reigns at the right hand of God. Our hearts are being lifted up and high and saying, our salvation is sure and complete and just as real as we eat the bread and drink the the wine. That's how real and secure our salvation is because we have an ascended and reigning Christ. Yeah. And our hearts are being lifted up to that. Yeah. And you mentioned, in, or the first question mentions faith, which you talked about increasing our faith, but then also hope and love. And as you know, Rust just said, I mean, we're, we're focusing on what Christ's accomplished work, and that just drives our hope to where our eyes, where our hope lies, that living hope in Christ. But then also it's Scripture says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when mm-hmm. we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're remembering this death, but we're proclaiming the most visible and clear way that God himself has demonstrated that he loves his people mm-hmm. and that he gave his only begotten son for us. Yeah, You know, and someone might say, um, in fact, I think Thomas Watson said this uh, at one point, like, why do we need the Lord's Supper? Why do we need baptism? Isn't preaching enough i mean isn't the word of god enough isn't isn't it sufficient enough why these extra sacraments how how would you guys answer that robert robert bruce said we don't get a better christ but we may get christ better for ourselves um there is a there's an assurance um there's an assurance that we're given in this sign that we are as Ryan has pointed out, loved by God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do I know God loved me? How do I know? Well, He sent His Son to die in my place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I and I can know His love that way. Yeah, I think we have to just be careful um, that we don't make the Lord's Supper something mystical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is actually a pretty strong trend in the church today. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, reform circles are are not immune exact. to that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of mysticism that is surrounding the Lord's Supper, that is actually maintaining that we do get Christ better in the elements, mm-hmm. and we don't. Um, it's it's a gracious condescension to say. I'm of God to say I'm going to give you this along with the preached word. It's not different than the preached word. It's not right. better than the the preached word. It's it's just to 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 condescend to the weakness of your faith that you might need something tangible yeah. to help you be reassured of the love of God. Well, so as I mentioned a, before, you know, this is one of the you know, we are not given drama in our services, but this is a drama. This is a a, a an acted out demonstration of Christ's love. And so when I say we don't get a better Christ, we may get him better for ourselves. When we, when we, you know, we're, we're actually um, taking this in, not only by the hearing of the ear, um, but all of our senses are engaged around uh, yeah. the fact that Christ has loved us in this way. So let's, let's flesh that out just a little bit. So, um, God wants to assure us of his love, 
and um, salvation. And so when we hold the bread and wine in our hands, so so it, it's just, like you said, just as real as the elements we fill in our hand is just as real as his love for us. And then we place the bread in our mouths. Well, bread is delicious. Yeah. It's salty it's satisfying it gives energy to our bodies that's how god wants us to think about what christ does for our spirits that's why jesus said i am the bread of life then Mm. when we drink the wine um well what does wine have wine has a peace because of the alcohol has peace inducing effects in it god has given us peace through jesus christ our lord so they're very sensible uh ways of the, of the, the way that the gospel is preached to us um, and so, yeah, that, I think that actually helps kind of take away the mysticism of it is if right. we describe what is, again, what is happening in worship. Yeah, and it's something that is, um, there's kind of a joke, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where there's a scene where, you know, there's the <laughs> not, holy hand the grenade. <laughs> that is, <laughs> a a lot hand. of repetition that is going on, and there's this, you know, this joke that the Bible is repetitive, and that's part of, you know, it, it's an oral book, so people yep. need to hear things, but there's also just the fact that, we are not the smartest people and we need a lot of repetition and we need a lot of, yes, this is so if, I mean, God in his grace and in mercy wants to drive home that he loves us. When we gather together, we hear the gospel and the preaching of the word, but then we also get to hold it in our hands. We get to smell it. We get to taste it. Mm -hmm. And it's, as you said, sensory. I mean, it, it's it's bringing everything together, using as many ways to drive home the gospel to us. Yeah, yeah. forgetting is a people thing to do. I mean, it is. It is it's an easy thing to, um, you know, get into this spiral, downward spiral, and you, you know, it's poor me, poor me, poor me, and then all of a sudden, you come back to the Lord's Supper and you realize that God has actually directed his love toward you in, in a, a very unique and special way. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that this series has helped you think about what is happening in worship. We have one more show tomorrow, so be sure to tune back in. Also, you can find this book on uh, wherever you shop for books. It's called What Happens When We Worship by Jonathan Cruz, or you can pick it up at our Reformation Boise Conference coming up in October, October 21st and 22nd. We'll see you next time.